Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome back. It is Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN here on a Sunday. And as we've been doing, talking about state and local politics. And let's continue that. We had GOP Chairman Nick Langworthy on in the first hour, as well as Republican uh, candidate for Comptroller Lynn Dixon. Let's get the view from the other side. We have Erie County Democrat Chairman Jeremy Zellner joining us. Jeremy, good morning. Good morning, Joe. How are you? Doing well, Jeremy. Uh, first question I have for you uh, before we get into the elections. I know it's a busy time of year for you, um, but I'd like to know how you think uh, Governor Kathy Hochul has done at the almost two-month mark. Well, I got to tell you, she's taken the state by storm, um, as I expected her to. I think she's taken the uh, the reins governmentally and has, has really done a good job continuing to protect the public from from COVID uh, issues and and uh, you know clean up uh, things from uh, Governor Cuomo's administration and you know I talk to a lot of people uh, throughout the state um, on a daily basis and they're they're all very impressed. She's picked up a lot of political support in the last two months as well. So I think she's doing very very well, uh, better than a lot of people thought she would be. You know I know it's way too early to ask this, but. That's the point of this show. Uh, looking forward to 2022, do you see you're having any difficulty getting through a primary season? Well, I mean, I don't know about difficulty, but like, for instance, she just picked up the endorsement from uh, the Syracuse Committee, the Democratic Party, the Rochester Democratic Party, the Albany Democratic Party. Um, she's, she's getting a lot of endorsements and support from across the state. And she's spending a lot of time in the city. Uh, that's where she's uh, least known, I think, in the in the state. But polling just came out showing that she's in a strong lead. She's got strong favorabilities. And I know Kathy. Uh, she's a friend. And I know she's tenacious. And she's not going to let one minute pass by uh, where she doesn't get out there and, and work hard. You know, she, she and I have talked quite a bit in the last couple of weeks. Uh, and uh, I, I know she's working hard every day for the people of New York. Now, I know it's a, uh, a busy month for you as the election season is here. We're less than a month away. Uh, the one that everyone is talking about, you know, I uh, for the 33 years I can remember of elections, Jeremy, I don't remember an off-year election getting the attention that the city of Buffalo mayoral race is getting. Uh, how do you like uh, how it's looking less than a month until Election Day? Well, you know, Joe, it's, it's, an, it's an unprecedented situation to be in here with, with a write-in 
this size. I'm not sure it's ever happened in the state, uh, the size of this write-in. Uh, we've got our work cut for, out for us at the board, but we're going to be meeting with the campaigns uh, to set the ground rules and discuss, you know, any questions that they have so there's no surprises. And, you know, it, we'll know on election night, we should know unless it's really close, uh, that we could have a winner. I don't think we should declare a winner on election night. But um, it's going to take some time because we're going to have to hand count a lot of ballots. And uh, as we say here at the board, we're, we're not going to just rush. We're going to get it done and count every single ballot like we do every election. So um, I'm confident Commissioner Moore and I are going to be able to handle this process. Um, you know, if we got through last year, we can get through anything. Do you expect a uh, high turnout, especially of Democrats, because of uh, the race going on in the city of Buffalo? Um, I think so. I think we're going to see a lot of turnout across the uh, the county. This is a difficult year um, for Democrats traditionally, and it's because our people uh, don't really get the, the, the seriousness of these local elections. And most people are have kind of a political hangover after the presidential election. So the next cycle is a difficult um, time to ramp up voters and make, make them realize that, hey, we've got a, a county sheriff's race. We've got a county controller's race. Every county legislator's up for re-election. Uh, every town uh, has races across the county. This isn't just, uh, you know, uh, two people running for president every four years that you vote. We, we have to vote every year. Looking at other races throughout the county, uh, what do you have your eye on? You know, I see a lot on social media. Don't hear as much about it, but I hear a lot on social media about the uh, Hamburg supervisor. What are some other races that you're keeping an eye on? Well, our priority this year is to uh, bring the uh, sheriff's department back and, uh, and, and get somebody with responsible uh, leadership there. You know, it's been 16 years of Republican control, 16 years of uh, reckless leadership, lack of leadership. There's some great officers in the Erie County Sheriff's Department that are lacking the training and lacking the leadership. And I think uh, Kim Beatty is going to bring that. Um, you know, so we're laser focused on the sheriff's race and the controller's race. You know, somebody close to the people on this station, Kevin Hardwick, I think he's just the right kind of independent guy, a good government person that we need in the controller's office. We're laser focused on the countywide races. But you've, as you mentioned, the Am, uh, Hamburg is on on fire right now. We, we've got some incredible people running on our, our in our party over there. Uh, the town of Amherst has a full slate of going going there. Supervisor Culp is running and a slate of uh, council members. Um, you know, in the town of Tonawanda, we're, we have three women running for office there. Um, so there's there's races across the county uh, that are important. So um, we, we're kind of working overtime at, at Democratic headquarters. Uh, you know, we've got, a you know, three shifts going there and getting the resources out to our Democrats. You know, Jeremy, I, I want to go back to the uh, mayoral race for just a quick second and, and say in a situation that uh, Mayor Byron Brown does win election, uh, would he still be mayor as a Democrat or would that change uh, after the election? No, I, I would expect him to remain as a Democrat. He's a lifelong Democrat. You know, Joe, the rhetoric is just going beyond uh, anything I've ever seen before on both sides, you know. Um, I, I, uh, I, I just want this election to be over with this, like never before. Um, but, you know, the mayor has every right to run a write-in campaign. Um, he, he's doing it. I don't like the fact that he's taking a lot of Republican support. I think that's problematic. Um, but uh, he's doing what he has to do to win. I would, don't think that he would ever change parties. Um, but there's just 
a lot of negativity on India Walton that's unfair, a lot of attacks on her that is just unfair. India Walton wants a safe community, bottom line. She wants a safe community that people can live in and, and have a home and, uh, and be able to um, you know, live without poverty and live uh, to, to build for their, the future. That's what she wants to do. And anyone who says, you know, she just wants anarchy or uh, anything else like that is just it's just rhetoric. And we hear that a lot these days and we just need to get down to the facts. And I think you're going to hopefully see that uh, come to an end or, you know, maybe crescendo here. I don't know. I just wish we can get down to talking about the issues. You know, going back to that primary and as being the Democrat chairman, were there some lessons learned about an incumbent and how a primary should be run uh, from what happened this summer in the mayoral primary? You know, I I, I don't know about that, Joe. All I can tell you is, you know, we haven't lost a primary in five years. Every endorsed candidate that's run in this county, is there's been a lot of challenges to us, and we haven't lost one in five years. The fact that the primary date has changed has really confused a lot of people. We had 13% turnout in June. That means, you know, uh, 13% of the people made the decisions on countywide offices and citywide offices. So the, the fact is that people are just confused. This is a new thing to have the primary in June. And I think that really spoke to more than anything. But, but the voters in Buffalo, the Democrats, uh, voted for India Walton. We respect that. And uh, that's important. And if I, I believed it was important to support her as Democratic Party chair, um, and I, I don't think there was any other option for us, because if I'm not going to support the Democratic mayoral candidate, I should just hang it up. And we've worked with her. And uh, we've been a part of her campaign ever since. And, um, you know, the voters are going to have to decide uh, which direction they want to head. I think she's brought a a strong um, uh, argument here for change, uh, so much so that I I think the the mayor's running on change right now. I think he's come a long way in this campaign to to realize there's a lot of things that need to be done in the city. And so we'll see. It's, It's a cliche, but it's up to the voters. Jeremy, looking at Election Day, uh, there's also the other side of the ballot in those questions statewide. Um, Where do the Democrats stand on those questions on the other side of the ballot? Well, I mean, most of these, I think uh, all of them, except for one or two, uh, are really for upstate and for us. And and I we support all of them. You know, there's some things about the redistricting process that are important to change. We've got things about um, absentee ballots. Um, being able to uh, request one without without uh, having an excuse for it, um, and then the registration requirements. You know, we we've got our work cut out for us to make sure that all this stuff succeeds um, once implemented, and I believe they will all be implemented. Yeah, I want to talk about that uh, the same day registration. You know, with all these questions, and, and this isn't I'm not giving an opinion uh, in favor or against, but with all the the, the um, issues we had with people questioning the outcome of recent elections. Do you think same-day registration um, is going to make people feel more confident in the outcome of their elections? Well, it should. I mean, we we ought to be removing any roadblock to democracy, period, end of story. Um, Same-day registration, we basically have now if someone is voting via affidavit. You know, if you if you're not registered to vote in the proper place, but you you uh, live somewhere else, you can always use an affidavit and swear that that is where you are and your vote will count. Um, we're, we scrutinize and check all of this stuff. We have lots of different checks and balances. 
There is no voter fraud in the state of New York. There is no rampant voter fraud in this country. Um, we have one of the best systems set up in a bipartisan fashion in the state of New York. And so the, the job of implementing same-day registration is not going to be easy, but neither was early voting. Implementing early voting was very difficult. Last year with the absentee ballots was very difficult. And I'm proud of the work we've done here at the board in a bipartisan fashion with Commissioner Moore uh, to, to implement all that stuff. But just because it's going to be hard doesn't mean we shouldn't remove that roadblock from democracy here. And I will say last year, the early voting, I, I took part in the early voting, and it was a, a simple and very easy process. And I will definitely say that that ran very smoothly. But going to same-day registration, do you think there's a way we could look at this? Um, maybe with a state law where vote, where voter ID, some kind of ID would be accepted to ease those uh, concerns people have at the ballots? Well, there, there shouldn't be concerns first. Second, um, there is going to have to be some kind of system put in place to make sure that we uh, do what we do now. When you vote for the first time, we ask for ID because we, we need to see your license or your ID because you've never signed anything unless we have something on file for you. So we do that now where we check a signature. We, we check all the signatures of people, the commission, the inspectors at the polling place, look at them to make sure that they're not completely different. Um, so we're going to have to implement this in a proper way that gives everyone confidence. There's no question, Joe. And um, that redistricting now, We'll see where this vote goes, but what are you looking forward to? We had George Maziars on here a few weeks ago talking about that redistricting. What are you looking for uh, in the redistricting process going toward 2022? You mean congressional? Yeah, congressional redistricting. Well, putting on my chairman hat, I just I think it would be a, a, a travesty to Western New York if we had another earmuff situation. If we had another situation where you know we we had to cut across and gerrymander a district to to, to get people in from a different uh, region, it, it, it I think that's a problem. It's supposed to be like-minded communities. You know, I think what was put out there showing Niagara Falls taken away from Congressman Higgins and Buffalo over here is is a problem. Buffalo and Niagara Falls face the same challenges. They're very similar, and I think we need to try to hold them together uh, as best we can. That was Erie County Democrat Chairman and Erie County Board of Elections Democratic Commissioner Jeremy Zellner. If you missed any of our interviews today, maybe it was Jeremy Zellner, who we just had on, Nick Langworthy, or Lynn Dixon from the first hour, you can find those on demand at WBEN.com and on the Odyssey app. Now, Congressman Brian Higgins was to join us this morning, uh, but that got moved to next week. So 10.06 next week. Congressman Brian Higgins will be joining us live here on Hardline. Uh, So we have a lot to talk about with him, uh, especially the border being reopened, the land border between Canada and the United States. We'll see that in November. Uh, So we will talk to uh, Congressman Brian Higgins next week, 10.06. You'll want to tune in for that. Now, there's a lot that's been going on in the political world nationwide. And since we spent the first 90 minutes of the show talking local and state elections We're going to see in the next segment.
What's going on nationwide, especially in the state of Virginia, with that governor's race heating up and a lot of attention from the national parties uh, going in to that governor's race in Virginia. So we have that and a lot of national things live from Washington, D.C. Dave Leventhal will be joining us after the news. It's Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast t-mobile has invested billions to light up america's largest 5g network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours and great coverage is just the beginning right now families and small businesses can save up to 20 percent versus at&t and verizon when they switch visit your local t-mobile store today plan savings with three lines of t-mobile essentials versus comparable available plans plan features and taxes and fees may vary well welcome back the final segment of hardline here on news radio 9.30 WBEN on a Sunday morning, a chilly Sunday morning, but, you know, feels good to have the windows open, right? Nice, uh, eventful, I don't know, something. Uh, we have our final guest, Mr. Dave Leventhal, Deputy Washington Bureau Chief at Business Insider. Dave, good Sunday morning. And a good Sunday to you, Joe Beamer. Now, let me ask you, Dave, before we get into the, the serious questions— um, you know, it's not a, uh, the Bills don't play today. They don't play till tomorrow. How does that change Sundays at the Leventhal House? I mean, I, I would consider that to be a very serious question, uh, one with great import here in the Leventhal House. Uh, we, we actually went out to a pumpkin patch this morning to, to go and get in the Halloween spirit. But, yeah, I, I like a lot of Buffalonians right now, I, I, I feel myself just uh, trying to 
get through this day the best one can uh, without a, a bill Sunday and uh, just, you know, just try to fill the time until uh, the, the real important stuff takes place at well, around eight o'clock tomorrow on Monday. You know, it's funny when we were uh, when the bills were bad. I always said, oh, I wish, you know, they'd get a primetime game, get on Monday Night Football. Now when they're good, I'm like, I just want a 1 o'clock Sunday game. <laughs> well, you know, let's, uh, let's just bask in the moment, whether it's Sunday, Monday, Thursday, you know, uh, the, the eighth day of the week. I don't, I don't care when it comes. <laughs> as long as the Bills are playing like they are these days, uh, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about life. That's right. Now, Dave, uh, the last few segments, we were talking about local elections here. And um, I know, you know, 2021, it's a big year for local elections, uh, some state elections. And looking at that, it seems like a lot of attention nationally has been put on this election going going on very close to you in the state of Virginia. What can you tell us about that? Well, first of all, it, it is sort of the marquee off-election year election. So we always think of things in terms of even years and 2020, we have our presidential race, congressional and Senate. 22, uh, we've got a huge midterm election coming up that is going to decide what could possibly be a a major shift in the balance of power here on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., with uh, the Senate and the House potentially flipping back to Republicans if uh, things go that way. But, yeah, 2021, a lot of eyes are on what's happening with the gubernatorial race in Virginia. And people may be asking themselves, well, wait a second. Why should I care about the gubernatorial race in Virginia? Well, I'm often uh, kind of loads of put too much uh, on a single election as a bellwether for the nation. But but this one may be it. You have Glenn Youngkin, who's a Republican, who's walking a very, very fine line between appealing to people who are hardcore Donald Trump supporters in the Republican Party and among independents, and also to appealing to those who are Republicans and independents who are not bad crazy about Donald Trump, but really don't want to see a Democrat go in there. And the Democrat who we're talking about is Terry McAuliffe, who's the former governor of Virginia. All the polls are showing this, Joe, to be a really close race. You've got national entities all over the place getting involved. This is a very nationalized race, sort of a true example of a local you know, state affair that has totally become something that is, uh, at least from a fundraising standpoint, definitely a 50-state affair. Now, you know, some might be wondering, well, didn't Terry McAuliffe, wasn't he governor already? And that's one of those weird uh, laws in Virginia where you can't be the governor back-to-back terms, correct? Exactly. And, you know, if you're only familiar with how New York state politics work and gubernatorial elections there, you're like, oh, you know, governor could be the governor forever, right? Uh, And in Virginia, it's very, very different. And that's also the case in other states. My first job was up in New Hampshire, where governors are elected every two years, not every four years. So each state has their own peculiarities, and Virginia is uh, definitely chief among them, which is why we are having the situation that we're in with Terry McAuliffe having a comeback of sorts uh, because he was basically forced to leave the governor's office and now is trying to give himself a chance to get back in there. Another uh, another big news coming out of D.C. that affects us right here in, uh, in western New York is that the uh, Biden administration finally going to allow letting some Canadians uh, cross the border if they're vaccinated. Uh, did this uh, generate some big a big buzz in D.C. over the week? Well, definitely among uh, my uh, friends and colleagues and cohorts who uh, are from the Buffalo area, or for that matter, from the Detroit area, too. I mean, this has been months and months in the making, and, and the rules have seemingly just been you know, changing or being put off uh, month by month, even week by week. And, 
you can fly in, but you can't drive in. And what about trains and boats? And, you, you know, you, so some people are like, well, let me take a spaceship, you know, from one country to another. I was uh, up in Boston in August and uh, with, uh, with, with a bunch of Canadians who came in. And, I mean, to, to get from Calgary where they were coming to Boston was uh, just a, an incredibly difficult prospect for them and they were able to do it anyway but bottom line is, is that this is going to be a huge boon uh, to people on the border for for both countries and uh, it has been something that with democrats and republicans on the border if there's one thing that they can agree on generally speaking it's been open the borders we need to make this happen now there's no reason we should not i was just going to say that you know with uh when you don't have a lot of bipartisanship uh in washington dc it was uh kind of refreshing to see here in western new york the uh two congressmen brian higgins and chris jacobs working together and agreeing on something well, the old adage, all politics uh, are local, really kind of seems to be going out the window with many different issues that we're facing all across the country. But this is one of those very, very local issues where national partisan considerations were definitely taking a second uh, second chair to the local issue, which was, all right, let's get this border open so that people from Western New York can get up to Canada and folks from Southern Ontario can get to Buffalo and we can be doing the things that we normally do when uh, life was uh, back in a more normal state back in 2019. And we want to get back there today. And and that is uh, seemingly going to be the glide path that we're on for the next couple of weeks. Now, uh, something that we can't find agreement, even some in in one certain party, and that is uh, infrastructure and the debt ceiling. Now, I think it was last week the the debt ceiling was it was voted to raise the debt ceiling. Does this get us anywhere closer to not talking about infrastructure as much? Now we're going to be talking about infrastructure still for potentially weeks to come. And much of the action right now is not Republican versus Democrat here in Washington up on Capitol Hill. It's Democrat versus Democrat. A very intramural situation, if you will, Joe, where you have two senators in particular. One is Joe Manchin, senator from West Virginia, a Democrat, and Senator Kirsten Sinema, also a Democrat, uh, Arizona. And the two of them are are really just sparring with their own party as to what they want out of uh, everything that you just mentioned, in particular, the price tag for the Joe Biden social spending plan, which was originally, you might have heard the number $3.5 trillion thrown around a whole lot. Well, uh, it's not clear exactly what they want in this bill, but they do know that they don't want the price tag to be that high. So we're talking about all different types of actions or cuts or slashes or renegotiations that might be taking place within the Democratic Party to get to a point where the Democrats can just simply agree enough on this bill to move forward with it and, and try to ram it through. And, and one thing that's being talked uh, in earnest about being cut out of this is a major environmental component to this package, this legislation, which uh, Joe Manchin in particular is very concerned would hurt his constituency, which is still very much made of uh, coal workers and people who service the coal industry. And he just simply doesn't want environmental um, plans to go forward that uh, he feels would be detrimental to his constituents. So, again, local politics kind of rear in their head uh, in, in a major way with great national import and effect. 
So does this go back? To, will this go back to the drawing board? I mean, I, I think it, it seems that to me. Now, obviously, Dave, I'm not there every day. I'm, I'm up here in Buffalo. But it seems to me uh, that Joe Manchin nor Kristen Sinema are going to budge on this number. Um, you know, they've had meetings with the president. They've had meetings with leaders. I mean, it, it, they're going to have to re- revise this, this bill, correct? The, the Democrats almost have no choice, uh, or the, the vast majority of Democrats, the leadership of the Democratic Party, they just simply do not have a choice at this point. Uh, otherwise, the whole thing is going to fall apart or it's going to get uh, delayed into 2022, which is for them politically untenable, especially since you're going into election season. So this, uh, in a way, has to get done right now if there's a, a real solid chance for this passing. But there are going to be a lot of very, very, very disappointed uh, and angry Democrats. There already are, Joe, who are absolutely not pleased at the way this is going, feel that mansion and cinema are betraying the Democratic Party, are betraying Joe Biden. And a lot of Republicans right now are kind of just sitting back with their popcorn, laughing a little bit, saying, uh, well, <laughs> they, they can't even get their own house in order. They don't have to worry about us they're blocking them. They're blocking themselves. And now, December 6th, we're going to see another, hope. you know, that's when the temporary spending bill um, expires. Uh, is this still going to be playing a factor in December 6th, uh, as you see it now? Uh, are we going to get an agreement by December 6th, or are we going to need another temporary spending bill uh, to keep the government open through the holidays? There is a possibility. And, and when we're talking about Joe Biden's spending plan and we're talking about the debt ceiling, the, these things are linked, but, but they're, they're exclusive to one another. So we're actually talking about two different issues here. So, yeah, they, they kicked the proverbial political can down the road. And come December 6th and, and then the weeks leading up to it, they're going to be talking about it again because they have no choice in the matter but to do it. So whether Democrats and Republicans will be able to come together or, for that matter, Democrats and Democrats will be able to come together to put together a a different solution to this vexing problem that seems to rear its head every couple of years when when we get to this point, uh, you know, this is just the way that it's going to work or some might argue not work and then ultimately get to some uh, sort of unsatisfactory conclusion that, is only really temporary in its nature. So, yeah, expect for that to happen as well. Happy Thanksgiving, right? <laughs> exactly. Now, Dave, uh, there are two people that uh, over the weekend or on Friday uh, got a lot of tweets from you on Twitter, and I want to ask about them, starting with Senator Kristen Sinema. Uh, there's a connection between her and wine? <laughs> there is. Uh, we reported back uh, in May at Insider that uh, she had actually, strangely enough, worked a side job, a side hustle back in August of 2020. She was a winery intern at a winery out in California. So we and some news organizations, after we reported that, uh, started digging into the nature of this relationship and found out that it's very much a, uh, a two-way wine trail, if you will, where she had uh, worked a winery internship there. She had actually gotten a lot of political contributions from the owner of this winery, uh, who is a former private equity billionaire leader, and, and also, too, that this winery has played host to fundraisers for her political campaign. So flash forward to Friday night when we reported that Cinema actually made a a campaign purchase from that winery. It was listed as a quote-unquote meetings expense. Uh, And uh, we called the winery and was like, hey, what's up with this? Uh, What's going on? What did the senator actually buy? And they kind of gave us a different story to say that actually uh, she bought wine from her campaign and a virtual wine tasting opportunity. Uh, So we uh, have not uh, gotten any response from the cinema campaign or her congressional office, Senate office, uh, as to 
what exactly this is. Federal law says that you can't use your campaign money, generally speaking, for personal use, although it's possible that uh, they would have bought and, bought and purchased wine for a meeting or some other type of political event. But just another uh, example of this uh, kind of odd connection that Kirsten Cinema has with, uh, with with this winery, which uh, actually a couple of weeks ago got lampooned on Saturday Night Live of all things. It doesn't seem uh, as if Kirsten Cinema can uh, can go a day without uh, some sort of political drama going on. This just being the latest example, Joe. So, Dave, was she flying to California to work the internship? Yeah, she physically was there, and uh, so during the uh, August recess of 2020. She was uh, a Harvest intern. Uh, her office confirmed it to us. Uh, her, uh, the, her winery bosses confirmed it to us. And, in fact, they said that uh, she was a very, very excellent winery intern. Now, some people might, might be like, wait, 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 what? You, you can work as an intern when you're a U.S. senator? And uh, she was able to uh, get it approved by the Senate Ethics Committee. There are some senators who do work little side jobs or might teach as a professor, uh, gets lecture at colleges. These are some things that we see from time to time. But this was probably the the most uh, exotic and unexpected type of side hustle that uh, we've seen any U.S. senator, at least, working in a long time. Now, the other person that uh, has gotten a lot of attention, Dave, is Pete Buttigieg. Uh, apparently, he's been on leave, and that's starting to make the news. Sure has, and it's a really kind of ignited a debate over paternity leave. So Pete Buttigieg and his husband had twins, and, uh, and that happened back in, in August of this year, and Pete Buttigieg went on paid paternity leave, and he was very— Proud to do so, and makes no uh, and makes no apologies for for going on paid leave, uh, even though he's the transportation secretary of the country, and uh, in essence uh, wanted to you know, kind of set a standard too for parents, fathers uh, to have the same opportunities, paid uh, paternity leave, which from company to company varies greatly as to what uh, a father might get when he has a son or a daughter, uh, and so uh, this is definitely something Tucker Carlson weighed in. Others have weighed in from the other side uh, on the left, and uh, it, it definitely well beyond Pete Buttigieg himself is definitely here in Washington, and I would say all across the country, too, to some extent, has really created a conversation over, well, what's appropriate? Should dads get six weeks off uh, paid leave? Should they get more or less? Uh, should they get any at all? And I suspect a lot of people listening right now will, will have strong opinions on that matter, too, especially us dads uh, who, who've been there and done that. Yeah, uh, might be a topic on a talk show this week. Uh, Dave, something, it might be. speaking of transportation, uh, something that Brian and I talked about on BMAS and Beamer on Friday uh, is this looming mandate, a vaccination mandate for the TSA, and it's hitting November 22nd. Seems like an awful time um, when you have 40% of TSA agents still unvaccinated. Are people talking about this in D.C. and the chaos this might cause come holiday time? Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's a huge issue for the TSA and other places that are facing uh, vaccine mandates. Uh, there, there obviously is a concern that there's going to be 5, 10, 15 percent of that particular workforce that uh, just simply won't be showing up or will be taking leave or won't be working anymore. And when it comes to the TSA during the busiest holiday period, although it may be 
a little less busy this time around, still with pandemic considerations, that's a huge deal. Uh, we just wrote a story, my colleague Nicole Gaudiano, an insider, about other problems with the TSA right now, including employees who are just completely burned out. Some are taking second jobs or leaving their TSA ship and going and you know, driving Uber shifts for 10 hours overnight just to make ends meet. So they, uh, that particular agency uh, has uh, several things going on right now which uh, may make passengers on airplanes uh, feel a little bit concerned about exactly the state of that agency. But it also, too, speaks to just broader transportation issues that the country is facing. We're, we're starting to hear a lot more nationally about supply chain issues, which is not exactly something that is on most people's minds normally, but we've got tons of ships that are sitting off the coast of California with goods that just can't be transported to other parts of the country because of breakdowns in, in ground shipping and in, in uh, port considerations. So this is not the sexiest political topics in the world, Joe, but when the prices of goods are going up or you can't get stuff that you need, whether it's cars or stuff stocked on your, your shelves at your local store, then that does become a really big issue and one that you start caring about a whole heck of a lot more than you would otherwise. Yeah, Dave, and I, I agree. And, you know, you mentioned cars. We, we heard about the chip shortage for some of these cars. You know, you drive by some of these dealerships, uh, they're starting to look lighter than usual. Um, so you're definitely starting to see the effects of this um, locally. But, you know, on that mandate for uh, TSA agents, has anyone talked about possibly moving that so it wouldn't create the holiday chaos? Is there any push from the right, from someone within the Biden administration to push this off until maybe the end of December so it doesn't cause that chaos? What I know at this point is that uh, that there has not been any action, firm action taken. But yes, that is a possibility. And if things really got bad, then we've seen this before. We'll see it again, that the goalposts may indeed move. Uh, but I, I wouldn't uh, predict anything. And I don't think anyone at this point is in a position to predict whether that will or will not be the case. So what I would say is that if you are traveling during the Thanksgiving holiday or traveling sometime during November or December, then be prepared because it may not necessarily be a, a very easy time to do so. And uh, you could be looking at some uh, some definite backups uh, at airports, and longer lines, and just a variety of, uh, of inconveniences uh, during what is, uh, <laughs> of course, always a pretty tenuous time for, uh, for flying around the country. And you know, Dave, in Buffalo, a lot of people will be getting on airplanes that week, uh, heading to New Orleans for a certain game Thanksgiving night. Absolutely. And uh, if, if you look at the photos from Nashville uh, and, uh, you know, Bill's fans going down there, I that there will be more than a couple of Buffalonians who will be traveling down to New Orleans. So, yeah, nobody wants to miss their flight or miss their plane or otherwise uh, be, be sitting back in the airport when they should be up in the air going to where they want to go, whether it's New Orleans or Grandma's house and across the country or whatever the case may be. Hey, Dave, uh, we noticed this week, hey, when you get a good luck wish from the New York Mets, your season starts off pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I, I have a feeling that one of the two people on this phone call is uh, particularly proud of that. I, I still got to wonder, Joe, if uh, if you had any hand in that or took over, you know, <laughs> social media accounts for the Mets, or you know, m- maybe there's a story for you to tell here. <laughs> Dave, let me tell you, I was just as surprised as you to see my beloved New York Mets uh, cheer on my beloved uh, Buffalo Sabers. But you know what? I'll take it. I'm not gonna not gonna complain either, Joe. Well, Dave, hopefully uh, I'll be talking to you Tuesday morning, so I hope you're awake uh, when, I, uh, when I call you for uh, Susan and Brian. 
awake. I mean, I, I, I fully expect to be up uh, all night, uh, just, uh, you know, uh, unable to sleep because of a great Buffalo Bills victory from, from that evening. I hope so. I hope it does not uh, does not resemble the last time we played the Titans when it was a Tuesday night game. But uh, I don't want to bring up negative memories, Dave, to end this phone call. I thank you so much for joining me. And uh, we here at WBEN will hear from you on Tuesday after the Bills win. Looking forward to it uh, doubly. All right, Dave Leventhal, Deputy, I always get this wrong, I want to get this right, but I have to have it right in front of me. It is Dave Leventhal, Deputy Washington Bureau Chief at Business Insider, joining me on Hardline. And you can hear Dave every Tuesday at 6.50 on a new morning with Susan Rose and Brian Mazarowski. We'll be back here tomorrow, Bill's Game Day Monday. Enjoy your Sunday afternoon. We'll talk to you tomorrow starting at 5 a.m. on News Radio 930 WBEN. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.